At photographycourse.net, you'll be able to swap your expertise with other photographers, make light instead of wishing for it, expand your portfolio, and receive feedback from professionals, all of which will develop your artistic eye. Photographycourse.net offers an abundance of premium courses and challenges for participants at every stage of their journey, from technical settings for portrait photography, to landscape composition tricks, to how to start your own photography business, we have everything you need to start shooting confidently. You can work at a pace that suits you. Our 52-week project challenge will provide you with the educational resources, encouragement, and support that you need to take great photographs every week. You can join us at any time as our themes are evergreen. You can also start by shooting every day and learning something new with our 365 Days of Photography course. Led by an industry expert who has mentored over 10,000 students, this course will help you take your photography skills to the next level with daily, bite-sized videos. Throughout the process of learning, you'll have access to a community that will provide you with inspiration and motivation. Get encouragement from other photographers every single day. Our current limited time offer comes with a special discount code exclusive to the listeners of this podcast. Get 50% off your first year as a premium member. Claim this discount by going to photographycourse.net and entering the coupon code PODCAST. Come join photographycourse.net and capture more than just a moment. This episode is sponsored by photographycourse.net. Our 365 Days of Photography course is now live. This is an amazing opportunity for you to grow as a photographer. My teammate, Kevin LJ, has produced this course in a step-by-step -step format, which is very easy to follow. He presents it in bite-sized lessons, each with a practical challenge. You'll learn and practice a new aspect of photography every single day. If you've been wondering how you can improve your photography without having to commit time to long lessons, this is the course for you. We've designed each lesson to be around five minutes long, and you can spend as much time on the challenges as you like. There's also a friendly forum where you can share the photos you take and get constructive feedback from others on the course. Kevin's professional photography experience is extensive. He covers not only photography essentials, but also many genres of photography throughout the course. You will learn far more about photography than simply how to use your camera. For our listeners, we are offering a very special discounted price of $99 instead of the launch price, which is $149. The final price will soon be $365, so make sure to take advantage of this great deal today. Go to greatbigphotographyworld.com slash 365 to claim your discount. Hello everyone, my name is Taya and I'm the host of Great Big Photography World podcast, where we interview notable photographers in the industry, give advice on a wide variety of topics, and provide tips for beginners and professionals alike. If you're interested in street or fashion photography, you'll love this episode. I talked to street fashion photographer Roberto Campos, whose candid photos are very impressive. His process for shooting and editing photos is incredible. He does most of his editing on his phone within minutes, which is difficult to believe given the outstanding quality of his work. We talk about his shooting process, why he uses limited equipment, and much more. Please enjoy. Hey Roberto, welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy to have you here. Please introduce yourself. Hello, I'm Roberto Campos. I'm a fashion photographer. I mostly do street style and I always, you know, try to do a little bit of everything else. I was born in Mexico City, but I've lived abroad about half my life. I lived in Italy for over 10 years 
And that's where I actually started doing street style and, and fashion. That's amazing. I'm a big fan of your work and we got to know each other through 500px. And I, the moment I saw your work, I instantly was impressed by the composition and the lighting and the way you work with models, because as the listeners will find out later on in this episode, you don't usually stage your photo shoots. It's all very candid, but it looks very professional, which I find very interesting. Thank you. Yeah, I mostly do street style, which a lot of people think, well, there is the street style that I still sometimes do, which is what bloggers do, you know, and what social media people do, which is, you know, take pictures outside that look a bit like they're not staged when they actually are. But a lot of times my work uh, revolves around taking pictures actually on the street that I'm not like aware of who they are until maybe sometimes afterwards where I look them up or I ask another photographer if I'm in an event like fashion week or something like that you can actually ask someone and be like do you know who that is and they probably will tell you it's a pretty you know tight community because I guess there's not as many people doing it although in the past few years it did grow especially because there were a lot of fans uh, since celebrities started attending these events every time more and more the amount of photographers outside these events grew exponentially when i started doing this uh, i guess about maybe nine years ago uh, attending fashion weeks in in europe the amount of photographers was let's say if you would find 20 outside the show that would be like a lot but on the last fashion week that was the one that actually had uh, this virus thing come up and got the first cancellations. There were an insane amount of people, an insane amount of photographers, and it got hard to be a photographer in this field because there's so much content being produced. So always try to find a way to differentiate myself a little bit here and there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's very important to produce unique work that stands out from other people's work. And in not a not in a competitive way, more in just a way to help your own business, you know, whatever it is that you're working on. And with the fashion events that you mentioned, is that something you get invited to as a photographer or do you plan beforehand and try to figure out like where to stand and who to photograph? How does that work? Well, every fashion week has a calendar. Usually there's two calendars, I would say. So there's the official calendar. In Italy, for example, it's managed by some organization called Camera della Moda, which is the ones that uh, give space uh, for every brand a uh, time slot, and they organize events, and they organize these shuttle buses for attendees. So you can actually register as a photographer. That doesn't mean you're going to get invitations. Most of the times, actually, you're not. Most of the people that do get invited are buyers, which are people who come from other countries and they make you know huge orders for retail shops or online shops, things like that. There's also obviously celebrities uh, because you know every fashion designer wants some celebs in there. Uh, social media people like bloggers and especially fashion bloggers. There's some huge ones that actually have like millions of followers as well. And, uh, you know, the random person here and there. But in reality, attending a fashion show inside is really not as useful for me because when you're sitting there and at the beginning I did start going to those. I mean, you get this picture kind of from the sideline, you know, but there's always these photographers who specialize in runway photography who are like standing there with their big tripods and taking mm -hmm. those good pictures you see. 
So there's really no point for me to do that. Getting an invitation for a backstage, though, that's pretty interesting. And I was lucky enough to uh, meet some people throughout the years and have some invitations to go actually, you know, to the backstage area and photograph while they were applying the makeup and maybe have some pictures of, of the clothes, not in the wrong way. But in reality, the street style mostly revolves around the outside. Uh, so street style photography, going inside the show is not as important. Being outside and, you know, catching all the people that are coming in because everybody dresses accordingly, you know. If it's uh, at the Or show, usually the Or would actually have, like, the people they want in the Or clothes that most of the times they give them or lend them anyway to attend in, in the Or. So these famous people, they change clothes every show. So you actually can have the same person in, in one day with three different outfits in three different locations. So that's also it's a kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. It's cool because you're not really directly working with the models, but you have so many different opportunities to grow as a fashion photographer. I'd say if someone wants to get into it now, it's kind of hard. I mean, in Italy, for example, all the magazines or all the you know outlets that you have to actually publish these that are printed, they kind of have their own photographers. And mm -hmm. so magazines, they don't even have their own photographers. They will just grab, like, let's say Vogue has Vogue presence in many countries. So sometimes they will have like one Vogue photographer from Italy shoot. And then that guy gives the pictures to all the Vogue magazines. And they do the same in Paris or things like that. So having actually like an opportunity to have an assignment from before is always super important to me. I was lucky to have the opportunity to work with a couple magazines from China, from Turkey, from other places, even uh, from there's this magazine called T Magazine from the New York Times. They also asked me to take some street style photos, but mm. the interest is just it might be a bit saturated for those kind of things. So I think online is always, you know, the big outlet for a photographer to kind of showcase your work. So I, I always try to share my experience throughout these events. I think you know, besides what I do throughout the year in other kinds of photography, since Fashion Week is only twice a year, well, twice for women and twice for men. So you have like fall, winter, and then you have spring, summer. Those, you know, four weeks or two weeks that are the big ones, the Women Fashion Week are actually the ones that people are more interested in, that people do follow a lot and people do want to see pictures posted after every show. If you post someone famous after this show or during the show while they're inside and you're outside, you know, editing on my phone super quick and posting online, that's when I get like the most clicks. But, you know, throughout the year, I still try to post some of this material because in a week you end up with so many pictures, you don't even know what to do with them. Hmm. And so having those assignments is super interesting and something I always try to do just because it's a different experience to be a street style photographer during that time and then during the times where there's not really these kind of events. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely cool. And it's nice that you're utilizing social media in such a way, because as you said, you get attention from people who want to see these celebrities in these clothes right after a show, right before a show. So you're basically updating people and being creative at the same time. Yes, and you learn a lot 
I guess, you know, being a guy, this kind of thing, you actually end up learning, obviously, a lot about clothing, a lot about what's trendy and actually what's going to be trendy because you start getting to know some people, getting to see how they dress. And, you know, is the, the Devil Wears Prada sweater analogy. So when you actually see, you know, this sweater is going to be like super popular in all the retail shops in like a couple of years, that's actually kind of true. It doesn't work like that. So as a guy, you're all into all these things and um, you need to kind of adapt yourself to think in a way, or at least that's how I think uh, it happened to me. Maybe at the beginning, or even people who follow photographers like us that do street style and attend these kind of events, they are interested in celebrities. And yeah, that's kind of cool. It's not something I really do. I mean, I hope I don't come out as like, I just shoot celebrities because I don't. Mm -hmm. I stopped doing that. At the beginning, yeah, you see someone that is famous and you're like, oh, I, I have to get this person in one photo, you know, so I, I run around and I try to get a picture. But then now I became my own editor. So yeah, maybe I'm not like a fashion expert or I'll never be, right? But I developed my own style and now I shoot people who I think look cool instead of shooting someone just because they are someone so mm -hmm. i think that's the part that attracts people and that people become actual followers of your work because they see that okay you're you're not just posting these people because they are someone or they're famous or they're actors celebrities singers you're mm -hmm. just posting you know good fashion and so for me it doesn't really matter if it's you know a famous model or a famous blogger or just like a girl that decided to go outside and be part of the of the event for a little bit. Mm -hmm. I like that answer. And it's clear to me as well when I look through your work that you have a very genuine point of view as a creative person because, I mean, everything is very carefully curated and the people in the photographs, there's just something about them. It's clear that you were interested in them and in their style and that's very nice. And it's a good thing for people to keep in mind, especially beginners who are in this industry or are trying to pursue it somehow. It's very important to be authentic to your own style. I think, yeah, the important part is just to grow and understand yourself and see what you like and, and see what you don't. It, it doesn't help you at all to be posting pictures that you think are going to be popular if it's not really, like you said, representative of what you are trying to achieve as a photographer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I remember when I was younger and I was starting to join different social platforms, I started to notice the the importance of likes or comments and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Or so I thought that was something that I had to strive towards. And I thought that I needed to get more and more likes as I became a better photographer. But I think in reality, while that does matter sometimes, I don't think it's everything and it's definitely something that beginners especially who are more vulnerable than other people to these things should keep in mind because if you if that's all you have in mind and I've had many conversations with photographers about this where they quit photography because they felt like they weren't staying authentic to themselves and they were trying to please other people and it's it's a th sad thing and it's something that we should definitely keep in mind and share with others because it's important to be a who you are and to embrace exactly what it is that you like as a photographer. Yeah, it's important to please other people too, though. I, I do believe that that's something we first should do. 
not only the people looking at the pictures, because again, that's that's like a third party that is going to decide on their own if your work is worth it for them or not. Mm-hmm. But I also try to please the people I shoot. Like I don't want mm-hmm. someone to look bad in my pictures, you know. But at the same time, I do kind of stay true to myself in the way that, and this has happened to me before, that, okay, these kind of pictures, I'm not going to lie and say that it's not important to, you know, try to get likes or try to become a bit popular because I know that something I want just because that brings me more work and work for me is another opportunity to do some creative thing, not just because of income, but just because it allows you the opportunity to maybe do something different or something new Mm -hmm. or experiment more or work with interesting people, meet someone interesting. But I have had people ask me before after looking at my pictures for a photo shoot and then they're like, but can you please Photoshop this and Photoshop that and, uh, you know, help me out a bit here and there. And I always tell people, no, I I don't. In my pictures, at least I don't. And I know a lot of people that do. I know a lot of bloggers that do. And I think that's okay. I mean, Instagram is built like that. We're all living in this world where, you know, you airbrush faces and, you know, make someone thinner. Whatever they do is fine. That's their own decision. But at least for my pictures, I just don't do it because I think it's not a nice thing to happen, especially I've seen it with people that you end up like meeting someone in person, like some girl meets someone in person and it's like, oh, that's you. That's really you. I didn't recognize you. And that's not a nice thing to say. I want people to be themselves in my pictures, you know? So Mm -hmm. if someone, of course I edit my pictures too. I fix the colors. I, you know, I straighten them out. I do this and that. I try to do as much in camera as I can to avoid editing so much, especially since during these events, you're editing on the go. So you don't really have like all your tools available to you. But I do refuse to make people thinner or to do a lot of editing in that way because I think my pictures are as much street photography as they are fashion. Mm-hmm. Yes, I like that. And it's a good approach and I agree with you completely. I mean, each to their own, but it is nice that you are completely authentic in that sense. And it's also interesting to me that you edit your pictures on the go because they look like they've been color corrected for a long time. But you mentioned earlier that you use your phone to edit pictures and post them almost immediately after a show. What is that like? It's probably chaotic. It is, but it's also quite fun. The way I guess it works for me is that, and for people who don't know much about Fashion Week, you would think that a runway show is like super long, but now they last like about you know, 10 to 15 minutes. It's more about the wait before when everybody has to get in and sit down. And then there's like this time in between each show where everybody runs from one place to another, because at least in Europe, it's not like in New York where all the shows are in one place. In in Europe, every brand has their own location. So you really have to run around, you know, from this side of the city to the, to the other. And in this downtime, so either when people are inside the show when I'm outside or when I'm traveling from one place to the next, usually by public transport or or I guess if I was in Milan, sometimes I would just go by bike just because it's so much faster. And yeah, you, you just have to do what you have to do. Uh, a lot of times I would post them right away just because, you know, that's what people want to see. Sometimes just because you have a really cool picture you want to share with someone and maybe get 
this person that is like, you know, bigger than you in the social media aspect of things to maybe reshare your picture. I hope that you get some click-throughs from that and people see your work. So yeah, being, and that's one thing I kind of don't like so much about that is that like being first a lot helps because people see your things and people reshare your things more than if you would post them like way, way later. But editing on the go has become a necessity, I guess, for those kind of things. And also because clients also now expect to see things almost instantly, which is kind of funny. I guess that's the culture now. And I just have to, you know, every time try to find new ways to not perfect my workflow, but to make it enjoyable for me. That's that's what I would see it like mm -hmm. well yeah and it's good that you're adapting you're very flexible clearly as a photographer photographycourse.net is a place where you can find an abundance of photography inspiration in different forms like premium courses articles video tutorials editing resources and much more we have a thriving community where you can meet new people receive constructive criticism and discover new ideas every single day here is a message from one of our top community members, Robert Morton. Hi, my name is Rob. I specialize in wildlife photography and landscape photography. I'm a member of photographycourse.net online community. I like the community because you get some fantastic ideas and some great feedback. So take your photography to the next level by clicking the link in the description. That's what I did and I haven't looked back. If you want to join our online community, go to photographycourse.net and enter the coupon code PODCAST to get 50% off your first year as a premium member. What advice would you give to aspiring street photographers who want to do something similar to what you do? Aspiring photographers who want to do something similar to what I do, I would say don't worry so much about your camera. The bigger is not always better. And I guess the most important part about like actually being a street style photographer is just show up, go outside, walk, walk a lot, like a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's good advice. And you mentioned that camera equipment is not important, but I am curious to know what equipment you use. Well, right now, let's say my professional uh, rig, which is for a lot of people, it wouldn't even sound professional, but I use a, an older Sony 87 uh, Mark II. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's a bit old now. And I pair it with a Canon FD 50 millimeters F1.4 from 1971. It's all mm -hmm. manual focus lens and fixed 50. And that's what I would mostly use. Then I do have a secondary camera that I take around, which is also my daily, we could call it that, which is my snapshot camera. So I use it basically as a point and shoot. And it's a, a GRD4, the digital one. So it's not the new ones that have like an APS-C sensor. It's like the older, older ones that have like a tiny, tiny sensor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's one of the older ones that has the tiny sensor. And I could explain a little bit about that. But just for people who know, the reason why I have that old one with the tiny sensor is because this one has a f1.9 lens on a six millimeter so it's a 28 equivalent 
but it's a 1.9. So it's perfect for shooting outside with really, really shallow depth of fields, something that a lot of point and shoots really cannot do. Our 365 days of photography course is the ultimate learning experience for new photographers and even those with some experience. This course, presented in bite-sized lessons, teaches you step-by-step the essentials of photography and beyond. Get your discount code by visiting greatbigphotographyworld.com slash 365. Yeah, that's really cool. It's interesting that you have this secondary camera that you use, as you said, on a daily basis. So do you take photos for your portfolio using that camera or do you just take personal pictures? Both. I have taken a lot of pictures that got published with cameras that were not my main camera even to the point where one time uh, I was asked uh, by a brand to make a little set of pictures for their socials. And uh, when I delivered them, they were like, but this doesn't look as much as these ones. And I was like, <laughs> well, those ones that you're showing me are pictures I took with like a point and shoot film camera just for fun, like with my friends and stuff. And they wanted that look of the old film point-and-shoot camera. So I redid the, the photo shoot with the you know, really old point-and-shoot film camera, and they were super happy. So I don't think that you know, this war of megapixels and sharpness and everything is always the right answer. I don't think there's a right answer. I just think there's a right answer for different things and for different clients and for different projects. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you have to learn to adapt and to meet everybody's needs and have you ever noticed that usually when you don't try that much you tend to get better photos than when you try really hard yeah i think that's the same reasoning why i use a manual focus lens is there's that the experience that you get of doing something so much gives you this muscle memory and at some point you're just doing things naturally it, it just comes to you and that's just the way you work And yeah, I do think that that's important. You know, a lot of people do change lenses a lot. They change gear a lot. They change equipment. And I am not a fan of zoom lenses, for example. I think, you know, maybe it's a cliche thing to say, but best zoom is just like my legs. And, you know, now that I got super used to my few lenses that I'm very capable with, it's just a matter of I know how much I have to spin the lens to focus this far or that far it just yeah it became muscle memory a bit out of necessity and you know at the beginning where i started i couldn't afford these fancy lenses professional cameras and everything that people were using so i just had to make do with what i had and i think that stuck with me a lot and uh, i stopped being not so obsessed about gear and just more obsessed about how do i make the best of what i have of my gear of my cheap point and shoot and my fancy Sony or and everything, even editing, I, I feel the same way about it. It's more a tool for me to enhance what I do as opposed to something that is going to fix my mistakes or something that I'm going to completely throw myself into. I did at some point before I was a photographer because I studied graphic design. Uh, that was uh, my first degree. So photo editing and all this was like a big part of my brain already. And I wasn't a photographer back then. So yeah, I know how to Photoshop things and I know how to correct here and there. But uh, I think now I think of myself more or I aspire to be 
because I don't think I am. But I want to be more a photojournalist than mm -hmm. just a fashion photographer. Mm -hmm. That's a really interesting perspective. And I like that you have limited gear and that you use it to your advantage because I feel like whenever we limit ourselves, we come face to face with our weakest points as photographers. And that's one of the best ways to grow, in my opinion. I mean, I also use very limited equipment. I use one camera body and one lens and that's it. And that's been the case for a long time. So it does help you improve and learn. And I mean, all the power to people who do have access to a ton of equipment. I mean, that's incredible, but it's also good to re remember that there are so many photographers who unfortunately cannot afford all of that. So you can still be an incredible photographer, even with limited equipment and in limited circumstances. Yes, definitely. I think most of us photographers cannot afford, you know, the face cameras and or film red cameras and all these like fancy things that people do carry around because I do see mm -hmm. them. And don't get me wrong, like if Leica or Sony or someone comes to me and be like, yo, I want to sponsor you and I want to give you this and that, bring <laughs> it on. I, I'm open to it, right? But yeah. it did happen to me, especially at the beginning where I, I was putting so much effort and time into researching and on just I was thinking about what I'm going to buy to make myself better. And that was the wrong approach. Yeah. At that point, I was using a Sony NEC 7. So it's an APS-C sensor and even got like a, a Leica lens for it and everything. And it just wasn't working for me. I even published pictures in the, in the New York Times with an APS-C sensor camera. So you don't really need, you know, the 1D or anything else. But it came to the point where I forced myself and I was completely adamant about this. I bought myself one of those really, really old film cameras, all manual with nothing, tiny 35 millimeter. And I used it for three months every day exclusively. Mm. I didn't grab my other cameras. I just used that for everything I was doing, also for my work. And when I came out of that period, I understood photography more. I understood what moving a dial here or open aperture speeds and not relying on those things, you know, helped me to actually understand better these new digital marbles that we have. Because if you think about it, not even that long ago, but like 30 years ago, 40 years ago, or in the time of those amazing Magnum street photographers, they didn't have the equipment we have now. Now our cell phones are smarter and more powerful than any camera they had. And they made amazing photographs so i think the tools are there you just have to actually learn to use something even if it's something affordable as long as you know how to use that that makes you better then it's gonna make someone better to have something expensive that is very good advice and i think it's very uplifting for anyone who's listening who does feel kind of stuck in that bubble of doing research on camera equipment and feeling like they can't afford anything. I mean, it's truly important to understand that all the knowledge is in your mind and all the practices in you. It's, it's not the camera that's giving you all of that. So you have to be able to practice. And I really like what you said about the fact that you had this very simple camera and you just used it every day for three months. Would you recommend doing that to photographers who feel like they're kind of stuck in the whole equipment situation? Just getting any camera and taking photos every day for a specific amount of time? I don't think the point is about going back to a film camera or, or forcing yourself to do something hard. 
maybe I'm used to, you know, this kind of masochist way of thinking. I grew <laughs> up playing American football and that's kind of how they teach you to, you know, accept things and learn. Uh, but uh, I think it's more about uh, the fact of going manual with everything and just stop relying so much on on your lens doing all the thinking for you and your camera doing all the thinking for you. Once you have all these thoughts behind in the back of your head before you click, your pictures are already going to be better than if you just click to see what comes out. And that knowledge comes not only from practicing or shooting every day. I think shooting every day is something you should do for fun, not something you should force yourself to do. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the knowledge that we get as photographers come from so many other different places. Like I said, I studied graphic design before. I studied architecture in in Italy. And all these things you realize that are super connected. Even music. I, I also play instruments. I make my own my own songs just as a hobby. And understanding rhythm and applying this rhythm to photography. Rhythm also exists in architecture, in, in the facades you see in buildings, in the way windows are positioned. High do you have to shoot to make something look realistic? How far away? Which lens are you going to choose for this? What kind of distortion is it going to give you? If it's a portrait, if it's, you know, something more design oriented, some landscape, all these decisions have to be informed. And we're never going to be right. But the important thing, I think, is learn what you can from others. You know, go on YouTube and see all these amazing people who will explain things to you. But never just blindly trust someone to be the master of, of one craft. Just mm -hmm. learn from all of them and then find your own way. And I know, again, that's a very cliche thing to say. But that's actually kind of true, especially with this. Because there's so many kinds of photography and there's so much equipment out there that there's never going to be a right or a wrong way to do it. There's just going to be your way to do it. And then there's going to be people who like your way of doing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's solid advice. I like that a lot. And I agree with you completely. I mean, if somebody that I admired came to me and said, buy this equipment, do this specific thing, maybe my work would end up looking like theirs. And maybe that wouldn't be the point. Everybody basically has a style and it's already in you. I think you already have a taste that appeals to you. So it's a matter of absorbing the best from everything that you like and turning that with your taste into something unique. It does happen too. Yeah, for sure. I agree with you as well. Mm -hmm. There's the, I guess the one biggest, most famous street style photographer there is. He uses a Canon 5D with a 51.2 and Obviously, people started buying that, and he shoots actually automatic everything because he's not really a photographer. He was just, you know, married to someone who was into fashion, so he just started attending things and taking this as a hobby into a business, and now he's the most popular and famous one. But people started copying his equipment, and that's funny because then you do see that not only is the equipment they copy, is the way of editing that they copied. So now you have all these people who are posting pictures who look like he could have taken them. Sometimes better, sometimes worse, because anyway, no, nobody's pictures are always perfect or to everybody's liking, let's say. So mm -hmm. yeah, there's a sea of, of photographers who copy others. And I think, again, it's okay, especially when you're starting to get inspiration from a lot of photographers you admire. Just, I would advise against 
especially at the beginning, specializing in something, just find a lot of photographers who do a lot of things very differently and then get inspiration from all those places because then you will realize what you like better and what you don't instead of only following a tight group of photographers that do similar, similar things. I think that's a mistake a lot of people like myself made when we started taking photography seriously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree with you. That is very good advice and definitely something the listeners should keep in mind. And you also mentioned that you are into music and that you have this background in architecture and design and all of those things affect your photography. I can really relate to that. And before our call, we talked about your interest in video games and how certain types of games even help you take better street photos. Could you talk a little bit about that? Oh, yes. <laughs> I know it's kind of funny, right? But uh, actually now, since the lockdown started, when I was younger, I actually was a competitive gamer for a while in mm. in first-person shooters and things like that. And I'm talking when I was a teenager. But lately with the lockdown, when I was in Milano, I couldn't do anything. So I started playing video games and streaming video games. And it was a way to connect with people because people will join in. And I still do it. I still stream my how I play games. People join in and talk to you and chat. And, you know, they're interested sometimes in the game, but then they stay because of you. And you don't only talk about games. You talk about many different things. And knowing different languages for me has always been a blessing because I can actually speak to people from a lot of different places. And again, just because of what I do, I can speak to them about this and that. Games have also photography modes a lot of times. And it's funny that people will ask me to teach them how to use that so they can take, you know, better pictures of their Formula One car in their inside their game. <laughs> but that's something that actually translates. And the other way around translates too for me. The way I started to approach street style photography during these, you know, hectic moments where you're running around fashion week was basically to think of it like it was a video game. I have my camera, which it's manual. I shoot one click at a time. So I have to make my shots count. <laughs> mm-hmm. I I have to learn how to position myself in advance. So I preemptively guess where people are going to move. I find the background. I put myself there at the right moment at the right time so I can have like two seconds and get the shot that I want. And it doesn't only translate to that, you know, to leading your shots as you would with a gun. It also translated with like actual gun experience to be able to use my elbows really close to my body to stabilize myself. Because a lot of times you're not using tripods in these situations. You're really, really running around and controlling the light in in a place where it might change from when someone is walking under a tree to when someone is walking under the bright sun and then there's you know a giant shadow you really have to adapt super fast so being able to all use all these similar approaches of positioning and space awareness was super super helpful for me to be able to i think be a better street photographer See, that's what I find really interesting. It's not just about being a photographer. It's utilizing all of your other hobbies that might not be related to photography, all of your other interests, and 
just subconsciously merging them into something that helps you become a more solid photographer. I really like that. That's a an interesting parallel to photography. And I'm glad that you have that as a guide in a way. Yeah, I think you should always try to find whatever helps you from your background and, and utilize it. Because anyway, part of what makes you you is also part of what makes you you as a photographer. So mm-hmm, we're absolutely. not just isolated photographers. We have usually a you know, giant amount of other interests that might come <laughs> in handy. Yes. No, for sure. You photographed so many people already, and I know you don't focus so much on celebrities, but I think it's been very interesting for you to capture different faces and and looks. If you could photograph anyone in the world, who would you choose? If I could, you mean like an actual photo shoot, like or someone? Well, anything you like. I guess so. Yeah, a photo shoot would be fine too if you want. Okay, well, I guess I have to go with my childhood crush. So. I would probably choose Monica Bellucci. Oh, yes. I think, I think she's, she's so gorgeous. I think she looks amazing. Even now in, in her, I don't want to say older age, but compared to when she started, she was basically a teenager, I guess, when she started. So she's had like a whole career. And the people who get to work with her and do amazing photo shoots for Dolce & Gabbana or things like that. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, if I could work with someone for a photo shoot, I guess I would choose her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really good choice. Okay. Roberto, my last question for you is, what is the one thing you'd like to achieve in this great big photography world? The one thing I would like to achieve in this big photography world is to... Wait, actually, I have to think about this one for a second. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> It's not like I have a lot of aspirations about my photography. Of course, I wish I was more popular, just in the way that I wish I had more work, like we said before. I think everybody does. I think what I want to achieve with my photography is just what I've always been lucky enough to do is to keep meeting more interesting people. Mm -hmm. I think that's the one thing that I really appreciate about photography the chances it has given me to meet interesting people that I might not have otherwise been able to, people who work in way above my pay grade industries or, you know, positions or things like that, that they will take an interest in you as long as, you know, you're a bit eloquent and take also interest in what they do as as a person and not just as a name or as a position or as a job. So, yeah, meeting people. I think that's what I want to do always more of with my photographies is meet more nice, friendly, interesting people and make make more friends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really nice answer. It's really wholesome. And yeah, I mean, in an age of social media and just the Internet in general, it's incredible that we as photographers can get to know each other and meet so many different people offline and online. And I'm sure that you will meet many, many more incredible people and photograph many more incredible people. And I look forward to seeing all the photos that you take. Thank you very much. And thank you for such a fun interview. Thank you for sharing your knowledge with us. I think the listeners are inspired by your story and we will definitely talk soon in the future. Of course. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Thank you, Roberto. Bye. Ciao. Ciao, ciao. I've always been familiar with street and fashion photography separately but I never imagined what it would be like if those genres merged. Roberto does a fantastic job of shooting people in motion and making his results look super professional. Check out his work for more inspiration.
See you next week. There's a simple reason why PhotographyCourse.net is the highest rated photography community in the world. It's because the people who use it made it that way. Why not join us right now? Improve your skills, get exposure, and discover an exciting new world of photography. While you're at it, claim your special discount code by going to photographycourse.net and entering the coupon code PODCAST to get 50% off your first year as a premium member.